0: It's another beautiful Sunday afternoon. This is Robin Mines. Welcome. My name is Abu Kalbuch, and thanks a lot for joining us. Um, usually January is a very slow month, but it seems to be one of the fastest January's in quite a while. A lot is happening not just in Nigeria, across the world, and in the United States, an impeachment trial going on. There's things happening in the Middle East, but of course, Nigeria has its own fair share of drama. The Amotekun issue is still raging. A lot of Nigerians are still giving their opinions as to what that might look like if it gets to take take off. Um, The the anti-corruption index around the world was released, and Nigeria sort of slipped down the ranking again, and government has rejected that uh, result. And um, we'll probably also try to touch on that. But first of all, we're going to be talking about education, something that a lot of Nigerians rarely talk about, but definitely affects a lot of what we do today. And most people say is the reason why why we are where we are as a nation. And I have here with me someone who Definitely has an opinion on all of this. To Thanks for being here today. Thank
1: you very much. It's good to be here.
0: Um, yes, let's start, let's start with education now. There's so much that happens in that, that sector or that should be happening that's not happening. Um, and I've had a lot of people come on this show, and the one consensus I think I get from a lot of people is that that's the one sector that this government doesn't seem to have a policy direction for, at least that they are following or sticking to. Do you agree with
1: that? Uh, first, I don't even think that it's about, about a policy direction. I think it's about the general body language of government at all levels to investment in education and to prioritizing education um, in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the things that uh, we as a country should be paying attention to. Um, first off, you think about the fact that Kenya dedicates about 20, <clears throat> over 20%, of its national budget to education, um, Ghana ded- dedicates about 20% of its national budget to education. Nigeria gives between six to seven percent. Now, that's number one. Number two is the quality of the Nigerian education at the moment does not in any way guarantee the sort of skills and the levels of global competitiveness that young people, you know, need to be able to uh, key into into the you know in the in the global scheme of things. So what you have is an education that simply ed- ed- educates young people out of creativity, while the world is, while we're here trying to teach young people uh, basic mathematics and trying to get young people to pass Jamban WAEC, other countries are including artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning, uh, data science, which is the, the highest paying job in the world right now, yes. into their curriculum. Yeah. And what you have is you're going to have university graduates out of Nigeria who for whom it would be difficult to compete with secondary school students in other parts of the world. Yeah. So. When we think about our education as a country, I think we need to begin to look at a system that powers our wholesome education yeah through um, technology a system that provides sustainable reward systems for teachers, a system that believes that education is greater than school so it's important so when you hear that young girls get raped it, you know you, you want to do sex education you want to put sex edu- you want to prioritize sex education in our education system yeah. when you hear that Uh, People are, you know, young people are venturing into terrorism in the Northeast. One of the things I always say is that there's no way, there's no system, there's no country that prioritizes education, skills, and jobs for its young people. And for those young people, terrorism will be their most viable alternative. Because in a system where people can access sustainable economic opportunities, they're going to have to take to the streets and chart their own course and take their own destinies and fate into their own hands. So what you want is an education system not just at the federal level of government, but at the state and the local government levels, where you don't just put a budget on education. You do sustainable monitoring and evaluation, impact assessment, to see how young people are learning. You think about the quality of teachers that we absorb into the system. The state in this country a couple of years ago did a test for for primary school, for secondary school teachers. And the questions were primary school questions. And all of those teachers failed. Yeah. So when you put education in the hands of the people who have tried to find jobs in every other sector of Nigeria and did not get those jobs, and then they opt for teaching, what you, what you find is that there's no way, what, what you find is that we're, not, we're going to have subpar professionals. We're going to have a sub public sector that is interfacing with the private sector that is predominantly made of people that went to school abroad who understand global international best practice. And that, in, in turn, impacts our entire system because politics and government matters. Yeah. When we talk about education and say look, we want to talk about education as a standalone and we don't care about politics. What we forget is that the tax regimes that are placed that are put in place that make it difficult for small businesses to thrive, the multi-level taxation and local governments that is not controlled even within the central local administration laws of different states of Nigeria which make it difficult for enterprises to thrive. They all boil down to the quality of the people in our public service. And if you, give, if you give the quality of education that you have in a just private sector to the, to the public sector, you'll experience some form of paradigm shift yeah. in terms of the sort of results and productivity um, that, that we get. I'm going to close this session by saying that research has shown that a country's national productivity is directly proportionate to the quality of that country's human capital. So if we invest so much in everything, if we build infra- those arable lands between Lagos to, to Ibadan, will not till itself. If you don't, if you build a knowledge economy that is not sub- supported by a skill-based economy, it's going to crumble. Yeah. Because infrastructure will not build itself. If you if you build a, a house or you create airports or you build hospitals and health centers, and you give it to the people who are you know super professionals. There's just no way you're going to uh, anticipate that all of those sectors will, will be able well to compete with their counterparts
0: around the world. Yeah. I, I, thank you very much for just pretty much wrapping everything up for me in that particular. I just wanted to close out by saying, because I think I read something a few weeks ago saying that one-third of the jobs that our children yeah, today are going to do don't exist at the moment. I was and even it, and it makes I, you very scared. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, if, you, for, if you read
1: my LinkedIn yeah. last week, I was saying that just while Nigeria is here debating about the legitimacy or the necessity of a moteco, other countries are already using surveillance, facial recognition, yeah. computer vision, artificial intelligence, yeah. using data science, using just to geospatial, keep, keep, you know, the geospatial technologies yeah. to power their national security architecture. It's, it's, it's And so it's what scary. you want is a system that focuses, that moves on from what did you study in school to what do you know how to do.
0: Which is what it should be.
1: Which is what it should be. So if you're studying math, physics, security studies, yeah. law, economics, accounting. It doesn't matter you want, what yes, can you do. You want well-rounded people who are, and then if you don't, if you have a country like Nigeria, as multi-level, a multi-level, with multi-level complexities at different levels, our politics, our regionalization. So there's actually opportunities
0: because and there's so, so many problems to tackle. So many opportunities. And you, you mentioned Amotekun there, and I want us to go into that now because it's still an ongoing debate. That's there's right. there's the belief that it has now sort of become a regional or even a tribal conversation now. Or oh, you guys want to do your own because we have done our own, or when we did our own, you didn't let us <laughs> do it. You know, it's is that a conversation that we should be having? And what are your thoughts about Amotekun on, on its own? Because there's a fear about giving power to regions mm. to police themselves. Mm. And what, like we know politicians, could be said to do with that. So that's usually the fear. But they are saying, no, Amoteco won't be armed. But they always say, give a man a rope and he, you never know what he yeah, might evolve one, into yeah. becoming. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think first, <clears throat> the entire conversation around um the, the important conversations we should be having about Amoteco has been, have been obf- obf- obfuscated into political posturing. Like, one of the questions I'd like to ask as a young person in this country is, perhaps if we had done certain things right, if we've got certain things right over the last couple of years in our democracy, we wouldn't even be, we wouldn't even be discussing Amoteco at the moment. What has happened is a failure of our national security architecture, which has caused for some form of constant consistent breakdown in our security system which has now empowered people that you would describe as insurgents as terrorists to come into our country and then take over however amoteco is um for me will be acceptable to the extent that it is it is functional within the ambit of the law and it is functional to the to the level of community policing i as someone who studied law last couple of years ago I personally believe that I mean security is in our exclusive um, list. list, but police is not in our exclusive list. Now, if states can have their own, can ha- own and operate their own legislature, their own judiciary, I don't see the reason why we shouldn't be able, be able to have police in the hands of states. I would rather it was a state thing than it was regional. And one of the things that worry me about Amoteco is that I saw that the, ne- the negotiations we happening are currently happening ipso facto. Those negotiations should have happened before, before the, you know the, the, before, the, the the, before the launch of the Amoteco. Like you, I would have anticipated that there was some form co- of cohesion between you know the the governors' forum and the, the federal government, represented by the Attorney General, who is supposed to be overseeing this process. Yeah. And so we're not having a system where the FG comes out to say. They oppose the Amoteco is and we now it, at the point of negotiation.
0: Is it. Is it a worry that I, I, even within the party there seems to be a division? We've had uh, former governor Balatidubu saying there's nothing wrong with Amoteco. We've had the the chairman of the governor's forum who is also from the southwest mm-hmm. where this is the governor of Ekiti state. Of course, is it wants Amoteco to happen. But the federal government, which is also APC, right. Right, seems to be against it. So there doesn't seem well, any party I think that's a contextual say, issue yeah? for the
1: APC to be able to manage internally. Nigeria is not APC. Yeah. APC is a component of our, you know, national, you know, framework, um, I think that that's something that APC will try to figure out in, in their own, within their own internal procedures and systems. However, I'd like to come back to the conversation of yeah. um, whether Amotekun is something that has come to stay. I believe in it, just for for clarif- for, for the records. Yeah. But I believe in it to the extent that you know, um, it's not. I know that a lot of people worry. it's not competing with Nigerian police force, and I personally believe that non-violent crimes. Should be legitimately ceded to the states to handle. A man is beating his wife. Non, you know, domestic violence shouldn't be something that that worry, that should worry the Nigerian police force and the commission of police. You know, needs to be the IG needs to be warning about. It should be something that Lagos State, you know, Ondo State or should State Sokoto, Adamawa, you know, um, Imo or Enugu and all that should worry about. I then think that bigger issues that have to do with. You know, um, fraud and all of those sort of, you know, national, you know, grand issues should then be ceded to the Nigerian police force. But I also know that there's a lot of concern about whether we should leave the police in the hands of states, about whether we should trust governors enough to Um, give them the power to police. That's the biggest argument against Nigerian police. But that also takes us to the issue of the recruitment process of the people we allow into our public sector system public sector administration system
0: if we don't trust them enough if we
1: don't trust our governors enough that they will be able to protect lives and property and and protect the sovereignty of their own state why then did we allow them to 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 get into office but people will tell you well maybe the elections were rigged or well maybe this was not our candidate but that also takes us to the internal processes of the political parties where I then advocate for young people to infiltrate the system and, and go into office. Because if you're not on the table, you're on the menu.
0: But there's an argument that young people who have so far made it through have yes, the totally, best representation. I totally
1: agree, but I'd also, I would also answer you and say that for every one young person who's failed in government, there's been 10 other older people from, from, from 50 years ago who failed us. We cannot decide that because a few young people failed in public service, we're yeah. going to deny the other young people of the opportunity. To be able to serve a government, what we want, therefore, is young people with competent character and capacity. Those are the so our our recruitment, our political recruitment process just has to be for people. Just has to be
0: better. Sorry, just talking security. I just wanted to shift a bit from Mm -hmm. Amoteco, because Boko Haram is still in the news. You know, this is it's been going on for two governments now and almost three terms of 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 two different presidents, and Boko Haram is still in the conversation. And uh, the Global Terrorism Index was released, and Nigeria is third on the least. And that worries a lot of people because Absolutely. it was one of the major campaign points of this government. Uh, there obviously needs to be a shift probably in, in how this is tackled. I don't know if you have any.
1: Um, of, what I would say, so I'm on the presidential Committee of the Victim Support Fund and I've had the opportunity to travel the length and breadth of the North. I mean, I've been to Bama, I've been to Guza, GTT Dalluri in Borneo. I've traveled the length and breadth of Borneo. I've been to Michika Madagali, Nadamawa. I've been to Askira, Uba. You know, I've been, to, I've been to Buniyadi, I've been to everywhere. And I'm in Nigeria. And what I, what I want to say is the problem of the Northeast is not the problem of Northern Nigeria. Exactly. It's the problem of Nigeria. I'm Yoruba. I'm probably even and West I, Africa. And I have no business risking my life, living my husband and children in Lagos and traveling, and risking my life in places that are five minutes close to places where you, you already see that Boko Haram has you know, footholds. Yeah. However, I find that knowledge is a very important thing. And one of the things that we must do for northern Nigeria as a matter of urgency is the education of the children in, that, in, that, in those communities. Um, Boko Haram seems to be providing a viable ot- authority when it comes to economic empowerment for, for, for those young people. When people are hungry, they can ma- never make the right choices. We will not stop building bigger prisons until we start building better schools until we start providing just the sheer hope that is in my heart. When I go into communities in the north and you give a child a tablet, a child who basically can't even read much or write much, give him a tablet so today, come back in five days, that child is uploading that tablet with very minimal guidance. And I think that the government can do a lot more work with data data gathering. Yeah, I think we can do a lot more work using technology. Is this still...
0: Are the governors doing enough? Because I know the last, the last Boronus State to, governor I was have quite have involved with the fight. I have
1: to Governor Babaganazulo. Yeah. I've known him since he was commissioner for reconstruction, reconstruction rehabilitation, yeah. and, re, you know, um, and uh, re, re, Reunification, re, re, I can't remember. Yes, yeah. the three hours. He was the commissioner, and before then he was rector of the Boronus State Polytechnic. And he, I think that personally he's been a remarkable public administrator. All of the monies that the victim, the presidential committee and the victim support fund gave to Borno, were properly accounted for the rebuilding of the schools, the health centres, because we always went there to do flag offs, and we always went there to go and commission all the schools, hospitals, you know, health centres, police stations that we had to rebuild because of the Boko insurgents. Yeah. I think I don't know about the two other governors, but I for the Borno state governor. I think it deserves a lot more support, and I'm happy now that one of the things that worried me, which I'm happy that they're currently tackling, is the coordination of the grants that go into, you know, this terrorism, um, okay. um, f- the fight against terrorism, because you need to understand that there's a, there's a huge economy built around the, ter- you know, the insurgencies that are going. Which now. is
0: why it's still I going mean, on.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, a lot of people. do we want have, to have we
0: have just a minute to go, so I need you to very quickly yeah. just let me know what do you think government should be doing differently with fighting. Insecurities insecurity in Nigeria.
1: I think the I think first off, uh, the military has to be uh, provided more support. Um, I, I get to meet those soldiers in the field many times when we travel, many times when we travel, and I think the welfare of the military can be prioritized. I think, second, data gathering and technology will play a very key role. You I mean, if you go to if, on your from Meduguri all the way to Goza, all the trees are already you know cut off on their heads because those are the places where the terrorists climb and they shoot down helicopters by you know foreign partners and all. But with computer vision, with facial recognition, with artificial intelligence,
0: are these short with medium-term? I think
1: these are short. I mean, if you build a simple bot where you can crowdsource information anonymously from people who have basic feature mobile phones from those parts of the country, it will go a long way. We don't even have data. And how do we do national planning if we don't have data as a country? And, and I mean, how do you even know? How do I, if you asked anybody in this country today, how many people are currently in all the IDP camps in this country? Who's going to give us that information? What is the process of resettling people back into their communities post you know, terrorism? Because, I mean, at the Victim Support Fund, we have you know, rebuilt a few schools, settled back a few farmers into their communities, places where people were scared to go into and all of that. But how many, how are we using that data? You know, to be, how are we using data gathering and, you know, to do monitoring and evaluation of the entire process such that we're sure but I'm also going to say this, that in the, in, in this, on this terrorism issue and national security and i I want you to know that this is a totally different generation. And this is a generation that, 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 that is going to school abroad. And when I run into you, Ibuka, abroad, the first thing is we're both Nigerians. We're not, we don't care whether we're Igbo or South or Yoruba. So Nigeria must move on beyond ethnic or religious prisms. Nigeria has to move forward. And we cannot use yesterday's knowledge to face today's challenges. And I'm going to close again by saying that there is no country that would give education, skills, and jobs and create sustainable economic opportunities for people. And then they would choose terrorism and insurgencies and put their own lives and the lives of their families at risk as a viable alternative. I think the government needs to look in look, look inwards a little more, and it's not just the federal government. The state and the local government. I, I in fact I think there's over concentration on the federal government. Yep. Such that we've now abdicated. The local government chairman of their own responsibilities. We've absorbed where them they radar. exist. Exactly. No, but they exist and they get monthly allocations. <laughs> when your inner market is, when your market is dirty, it's not the business of the president. Yeah. It's the local government chairman you should be calling out. When your inner city roads don't work, those are basic things that local government chairman get money for. But everything well, that happens, the governor is the one at the receiving end of all of our agonies and. Oh, Buhari. Everybody just but, calls President Buhari. Buhari. <laughs> but but, but where well, Buhari has yeah, his own well, responsibility as president, yeah. but I think that citizens need to be more engaged. And I know that there's nothing as powerful, even more powerful than any government, than an active citizen. Than Thank, you citizen their Thank you very
0: much. Thank you very much, Toyosi. Technology, technology, technology. I think that's the <laughs> solution to a lot of the things that.
1: Well, we technology have talked in about the hands today. of the right people. Because people are also using technology <laughs> to do all manners of evil, sinister, and unacceptable. Yeah.
0: Please come back to us. We'll have a I'll lot try. to talk about. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back.